We're going to be in Psalm chapter 1. So we'll read that together. Psalm chapter 1, here in the first week of the year, we get to dig into the first psalm of the Psalter. So uh, this is Psalm chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, you can open up there or read it from the screen. It reads like this. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray this morning. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. And as we open and learn from your written word, may we encounter and honor the living word, Jesus Christ. We pray in his name. Amen. In this psalm, we see two ways to live. Two kinds of people. Um, One that is righteous and another that is ungodly. And really what this psalm shows us is that all humanity can be split up or divided, at least in the eyes of God, into two categories. The righteous and the wicked. And today my goal is not to say, here are three steps to being righteous. Or here are three steps to earning your salvation. That's not the goal for today. There is no one righteous, no, not one, for all have sinned and fall short to the glory of God. No, we cannot earn our salvation through our own dirty, good deeds, right? Uh, In fact, the only one that truly fits the description of this psalm, of the first three verses of this psalm, is Jesus himself. He fits the description of the blessed man. Uh, He alone has never walked in the counsel of the wicked, Uh, He alone has never sat in the seat of scoffers. His delight is truly in the law of the Lord. He alone fits these descriptions. And through Christ, through Christ alone, we can receive salvation. Through faith in Christ, his righteousness is declared as ours in the eyes of God. So the challenge of this psalm in Christ is not to become what we are not, Uh, but rather to increasingly grow to become more like Christ. We don't seek his image or his likeness in order to be placed in him, or in order to be found in him to become his, but rather due to his grace, due to his forgiveness and love toward us, we gladly pursue his likeness and follow in his ways. Um, And as we do that, as we'll learn today, there is fulfillment and there is joy. So as we do that, as we seek after the likeness of Christ, there is fulfillment and there is joy. And this text in particular, Psalm chapter 1, not only is it the first psalm in the Psalter, you know, first week of the new year, um, but specifically for the new year, I think uh, this psalm is helpful. Because the first word there, it says blessed, right? And that means in the Hebrew, um, to be content or to be fulfilled or to be happy. 
And what do we say in the new year to one another? Happy new year, right? Uh, during the holiday season, happy holidays. Or if it's your thing, happy Halloween. Right? We say happy, 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 happy. And that's because we want to bid one another happiness because we all want to be happy. Um, and if you don't believe me, watch literally any Disney movie ever made ever. Right? Because, because what's the goal of a Disney movie? The goal of the character is to have a happily ever after. And we want that for the character because I think we sort of you know, reflect ourselves and the person and then we also want happiness, so we want the, the ending to be happy because we want that for ourselves as well. We want happiness. Uh, and in the new year, we, we, we make New Year's resolutions, right? Because we want to build our life in a certain way. We want to do certain consistent things because we want to be satisfied with the person that we are. We want contentment in that way. So if you want to learn a language, it's every day you're, you're studying for a certain amount of time. If you want to uh, be super fit, you know, it's every day you're exercising, whatever it might be. We want to be content. We want to be fulfilled. We want to be happy, so we do those things. Um, and, I, I, and I think the world seeks happiness in places that it simply doesn't provide. Fill in the blank. Uh, it could be make that much money and I'd be happy. If I marry that person, I'd be happy. Uh, the elderly are encouraged to seek happiness in retirement, and young people are encouraged to seek happiness in romance or in the pursuit of wealth and health and prosperity. If I only work harder each day, then I'll be happy if I gain that amount of money or I gain that job. And maybe you think, well, this is only a 21st century problem, uh, this idea of um, seeking happiness in all that we do. But St. Augustine, a 6th or 7th and 7th century theologian, said, Lord, you have made us for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. The heart of man is restless because there is nothing other than the God who made us that can satisfy the longings within us. And I hope that you, that we, understand that there is nothing in this world that is more pleasure-filled, more joy-filled, more fulfilling than to intimately know God, to be in a deep relationship with Him. Uh, and some of us today may have come to church uh, with a certain pain or serious problem. And maybe today we can consider that the pleasure and fulfillment of knowing God is even intimately greater than the relief of that problem going away. That we would rather have God than have the, absent of, of the absence of a certain issue. That we would rather be in intimate relationship with God in the midst of difficult circumstances rather than distant from God in the absence of difficulty. Or maybe you've come today with a certain struggle with sin or a certain temptation that you struggle with. Or maybe we can consider today that the pleasure and fulfillment of knowing God intimately is greater than any sin we may be addicted to or struggle with. But how do we move in that direction? How do we as Christians seek fulfillment in God? How do we live a blessed and fulfilled life? And I think that's where this psalm helps us. And there are three things we'll go through. The first from the text is don't leave God out of your life. How do we live a blessed and fulfilled life? Don't leave God out of your life. Uh, the description of the blessed here begins with a negative, right? Do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Do not stand in the seat of sinners. Do not sit 
uh, with the scoffers, right? Do not, not, don't do these things. You mean to tell me that there's blessing, there's fulfillment in what I don't do? In what, in what I don't do? Uh, this, this maybe doesn't sit well with our culture. We want to be associated with what we approve of, not necessarily what we disprove of. However, Paul says in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 12, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. The Ten Commandments themselves are framed in this way. Thou shalt not, right? Thou shalt not. Why is this? I think it's for the same reason we tell our children not to say certain things, not to do certain things, because we care about their welfare. We want them to go down a path that is best for them. We care for them, so we tell them, no, we warn them. Uh, The negative commands are necessary because we're wicked, we're inclined to sin. God desires us not to walk in the pathway of sin and destruction, so lovingly instructs us, no. And that's where we start here today, with a negative command. And what we see in this psalm is that if you leave God out of your life and reject his ways, you will never find lasting joy and fulfillment. Uh, Verse 1 reads, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. So don't leave God out of your lives. And the psalmist goes through three ways that we do leave God out of our lives. And the first is this, accepting the perspective of the wicked. So how do we leave God out of our lives? The first way is accepting the perspective of the wicked. Verse one reads, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. This word wicked comes from a Hebrew word meaning uh, loose or out of joint. Uh, It's describing someone who hangs loose about God, uh, someone who doesn't take God seriously. So if you want to live a blessed life, don't live your life according to the world standards or according to those that uh, don't take God seriously. Don't depend on worldly wisdom. Don't rely on people who live disconnected with God and his principles. I mean, as followers of Jesus, we need to be cautious, I think, of a certain kind of biblical teaching. Uh, maybe you watch YouTube preaching or, or listen to certain podcasts. We need to be careful of a certain type of teaching or counsel uh, that's largely just simply worldly advice that lacks any true foundation in God's word. Teaching that downplays sin or completely disregards sin altogether. A teaching that centers around how you live a life that is closer to the American dream than it is actually pleasing God. Now, that type of counsel leads us down the wrong path, and ultimately, it'll lead us to, it will not lead us to true happiness or joy. So I think the question uh, that we could ask ourselves is where do we seek advice? Uh, where do you find your wisdom for living? According to Psalm 1, if we seek advice and wisdom from the wicked instead of God, uh, we will not be fulfilled. Uh, So the first way that we leave God out of our lives is we accept the perspective of the wicked. And secondly, we accept the practices of the wicked. The practices. So first perspective, and now the practices of the wicked. And it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners. Taking the counsel of the wicked is our thinking, right? 
We're starting to accept the perspective of the wicked. Now we're getting into practice, to what we do, behavior. So not only should we not be thinking the way of the world, but also we shouldn't act in the way of the world. The way of sinners here is referring to their behavior or their way of life. Uh, The word sin or sinner means to miss the mark. I think some of us have heard that. That if our standard is God and his word, that's our standard, then to sin means that we have missed that mark or that standard. Uh, We have deviated off that path. And of course, in that sense, we're all sinners. We have all sinned and fall short to the glory of God. We've all missed that mark by disobeying God. But when we trust in Christ, we are made righteous. We are no longer defined by our sin. And now our goal is to please God, is to follow after the example of Jesus Christ. And as we do that, a life of blessing and happiness is available. Then, So it's not just a perspective change, but it's also a practice change, an action change. So what are some ways that we leave God out of our life? First, we accept the perspective of the wicked, and then we accept the practices of the wicked. So the writer says, don't get drawn back into your own way, your old way of living. Don't get caught up standing amongst those uh, who live with a different purpose than you. Uh, So I think it also has to do with association. My wife and I, when we lived in Chicago... Um, went to Moody by Winston, and I don't know why I had to add that, but I did. We went to Moody by Winston in Chicago. We used to go on walks in Chicago. It's a beautiful city, so we used to go on walks. And um, on our walks, if you've ever been in an inner city in the U.S., everybody has a dog. So we used to see dogs walking by, and we would comment on whether or not the dog is cute. Um, it might seem a bit cruel, but we would, you know, that dog's cute, that dog's not cute. You know, it's just honest. Uh, we would do so in Korean, so <laughs> just in case they heard us. Um, so yeah, but we, we would do this, and what I started to realize <coughs> was um, often, it's strange, the dogs kind of look like the owners uh, in some ways. Like not obviously, obviously it's a dog, right? But, but sometimes like the grooming is the same, and like they're wearing clothes, and like, sh- like things are similar. Um, and, and then you think about it, well maybe they just sit around and stare at each other all day, they start to just become. And of course, the example is facetious, but the truth is, um, those that we're closest with are going to affect the way that we act. Um, And I think Paul said it, it's not up on the screen, but Paul said it in 1 Corinthians, that bad company uh, ruins good character, right? Or good morals, I think is is the text, 1 Corinthians 15. Um, so those that we, we, we bring closest to us, I'm not saying you can never befriend non-believers. There's a time for that. But those that we bring closest to us that are going to affect the way that we live should have the same purpose in mind, right? To honor and glorify God. Um, so, so, so bad company, bad advice, uh, we should be fleeing from. So it's not just a perspective, but it's also a practice, right? We're not accepting the practice of the wicked. Uh, but also, how do we leave God out of our lives? by accepting the placement of the wicked, the placement of the wicked. Our text reads, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Um, Scoffers throughout Scripture are people who have outwardly rejected God. They are people who seek to justify themselves by openly mocking God and their life of sin, 
Um, scoffers are individuals who place themselves above God. Um, they have given into their desires and have ignored scripture altogether so they can follow their own path. They don't want God interfering in their lives. Um, and this seat, now we see a seat, right? You're sitting down. Um, it, it, it brings with it a sense of belonging. So first, we have a perspective. Don't accept the perspective of the wicked. Then we have don't accept the practice of the wicked. Now we have don't accept the placement or the identity or the belonging of the wicked. And if you'll notice, there's a bit of a progression, isn't there? It's almost as if, you know, somebody's walking around and then, oh, they first they notice it. You know, you're walking. You walk by, oh. And then you stand. You kind of hang out. And then... You sit. You're sitting down. Now you are claiming that this space is now yours and you belong where you are. And that's the progression of sin, isn't it? It starts with the mind. It starts with thinking. And this is how Satan often attacks. It's not always all at once, right? But instead it is a progression of falling away. So, So it's the thinking, then it's the practice, then it's a belonging. And this is a it's important for us to know this progression so we can be wary of it, right? So one way that we, the way that we leave God out of our lives is first accepting the, what did I say? Accepting the perspective of the wicked, then the practice of the wicked, then the placement of the wicked. And if you want to be truly joyful, truly happy, truly fulfilled, we don't leave God out of our lives. Um, so that's the first point. Don't leave God out of your life. Secondly, live a life built on God's word. Live a life built on God's word. Our text says, But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. And I think some of us here for point one, we're like, yeah, we got that. You know, um, maybe we, we, don't, we don't practice the ways of the wicked. We don't um, have a wicked perspective. You know, Maybe we have that, but here I think many of us um, need help, and I, I too need help. How many of us can say that we delight in the Word of God and meditate on it continually? Um, but as followers of Jesus, we have this responsibility. If we want to live a fruitful life, if we want a life that is full of true happiness and blessing, uh, we need to come to this place of delight in God's Word. Uh, what does it mean to delight in God's Word, though? Um, this word's used often in the Old Testament. But most of the time, interestingly enough, the word delight is used in reference to a man delighting in a woman. And that is what this word is often used for. And that might sound a little odd, but I think it's telling and actually helpful. Um, again, when I was at Moody Bible Institute and my wife and I were there together, um, before she was my wife, before we were dating. Um, there's this thing, and if you've never been a part of a Bible school, this is going to sound really weird to you because Bible schools are weird, but um, what had happened was there's this thing called brother-sister floor where <laughs> the guy's dorm has like 19 floors, the girl's has like seven or something, and then they would pair up a guy's floor with the girl's floor and then do activities together. Right, this is Bible school. So, so we, you know, so, but the main purpose of it in Chicago was like, because, you know, Chicago, relatively dangerous, more dangerous than Seoul. So 
Um, if, if, if someone needed to go somewhere, they would call each other up and then they would walk off campus to that place. Like we're in downtown Chicago, middle of Chicago, right? So that was the purpose of it. My wife, before she was my wife, before we were dating, was on my sister floor. And one Saturday morning, um, I was sleeping like 10 a.m. And my roommate, who is my boy, knew how I felt about this, this girl. And um, so he woke me up frantically. And usually I take some time to wake up. But on this particular morning, it was quite swift. Um, because uh, he said, hey, Minji, that's my wife's name. She posted on the Facebook page that she needs a walk tonight from her work, from a weekend job to campus. And with all disregard for today's schedule, for all disregard for what I was doing that evening, I messaged her and walked her home that night. And here we are today. Praise the Lord. But yeah, you ain't got to clap. Thank you. Uh, but the idea is, and I think the question that I ask myself is, do I delight in God's word in a similar way? Uh, do you make time to spend in the word because you delight in it? Truly. Because... You could live without anything else in the day except spending time with the Lord. Right? That's what you need for the day. You delight in it. You find pure joy in it. Or has it become a duty or an obligation? And I know sometimes it is dutiful. And often discipline turns to delight. Right? If you keep doing it consistently. Um, but do you just do it to check it off your daily to-do list? Or are you truly communing with the living God and applying the truths of the word uh, to your life so you can be more like Jesus? Uh, we, we eagerly approach the written word of God to encounter the living word of God, Jesus Christ. We anticipate reading these words because it reveals to us the son who sacrificed his life for us. The Old Testament points to him. Uh, the gospels show him. The Acts of the Apostles preach him, right? The epistles explain him, and the book of Revelation looks forward to his coming again. Do we delight in the word of God? And not only are we to delight in God's word, but it also says meditate on it day and night. And this word meditate means to, to chew on it, to really take it in, to let it nourish you, not just to read a couple chapters, okay, I'm done, right? But to, to really observe it and let it nurture you, learn from it, apply it to your life, take it in, and do this routinely, and not just every now and then, but consistently. And I think many of you um, have heard this and even experienced this truth, but whatever we consume, right, um, wh whether it be social media or whatever it might be, uh, whatever shapes our thinking will shape our life. Uh, so why not let God's word do that for us? Uh, make it a priority in your life to open up scripture, to learn from it, Study it, memorize it, find joy in letting God speak to you through it. And if we do that, verse 3 happens. Verse 3 is the result. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The writer gives us a picture here of a tree that is surrounded by multiple sources of water so that there's always a continuous supply of nourishment. 
And regardless of the season, regardless of the drought, regardless of a storm, uh, we see that this tree is fruitful. It has life. It's firmly planted. And this is what it's like for the person who delights in the Lord and his word. It's interesting that this tree is said to have been planted. If you know anything about the landscape of Israel, you know that there are a lot of streams. But there are some places in Israel where there are no streams. And this one is said to have been planted. Planted near many streams around it. There's a lifelong supply of water. As if to say that even if those around us are spiritually dead and dried out, those that delight in the word of God are fruitful and continue to grow. And then whatever they do, they prosper in all things and through all things. There is blessing and prosperity to the person who roots themselves in the word of God. Um, And God is not promising financial prosperity here or prosperity of possessions. But instead, if we're being consistent with the picture, uh, how does a tree prosper? It grows and fruits come from it. So those that delight in the word of God, meditate on it day and night, you will see growth. You will see fruit from that kind of life. It is a spiritual prosperity that it's speaking of here. So first, how do we seek a fulfilling life? Um, First, we don't leave God out of our life. And second, we delight in the word of God. And thirdly, we live a life that considers eternity. Live a life that considers eternity. And this is from verses four through six in our text. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. We see here the wicked in contrast to the righteous. The righteous, we learned, are like a sturdy tree, rooted, firm, and fruitful that grows. But the wicked, it's like chaff or straw that's rootless. It blows in the wind. But this is not always our view of people. We look at many who leave God out of their lives as glamorous, as powerful, as exciting or influential people. Famous athletes or actors or singers, whoever it might be, we lift them up. And sometimes we even become jealous of them or envious of their accomplishments. But God's view of man takes eternity into account. Those who leave God out of their lives have no substance. They are useless, according to Psalm 1. They may be great before men, but before God, they will be blown away like straw in the final judgment. They will perish. And if you want to find fulfillment in life, you want a life that is defined by joy, you need to be a person who continually considers eternity. You need to constantly surround yourself with God's truth and people who are living for God's truth. Um, And sometimes, or maybe often, I think our joy, our happiness is rooted Um, in our earthly circumstances. We need to be reminded of our spiritual status before God. Be reminded of our belonging in Christ. And I think really need to be reminded of how good we really have it in Christ. We can easily forget when our circumstances are dark, when things aren't going our way, and, and those are serious times. We can forget that we are in a relationship with the creator of the universe, the one that's made all things. We are in relationship with the God that dearly loves us. 
the God of mercy, the God that sent his son to die for us, the God that forgives and the God that is holy and righteous, this great God, we have the opportunity at any given moment of any given day to commune with him, no matter what's going on around us. We have the opportunity to grow in knowledge of him, not just intellectual knowledge, but experiential knowledge, growing in intimacy with him. Life in him is better than any sin we might be addicted to. Life in him is better and more fulfilling than even the absence of problem or pain. Life in him, no matter the circumstances, is better than any life without him. So as we close today, here is what we know. As God's creation made in his image, you were designed to find true joy and happiness. And how is it found? By building our lives on God and his word and to live our lives with eternity written on our hearts. Let's pray together.